welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Our scripture reading today comes from Romans chapter 3. It's verses 21 through 24. You can find it in your app, so if you can turn to that or if you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. This is the Apostle Paul writing these most significant and central words of our faith to the church in Rome. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. This is the word of the Lord. The world is not the way God intends for it to be. Pain and suffering are not characteristics of God or of his ultimate kingdom. People are not the way God intends for them to be. Racism, injustice, oppression, violence, abuses of power, hatred, division are not the way God intends people or this world to be. God is in the restoration and reconciliation business. He is in the business, in other words, of making things right, making me the way I was intended to be, making you the way you were intended to be, making relationships the way they were intended to be, and making the world the way it was intended to be. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Roaring Lion, O be still and behold him. Jesus, Alpha and Omega, our God, the risen Savior, be still and behold him. So in the midst of the chaos of our world right now, today is the perfect day and now is the perfect time for us as the people of God at Oak Hills to come and feast at his communion table. The other day I was rereading parts of C.S. Lewis's masterful book, Mere Christianity, and this single sentence stopped me for a few minutes from reading any further. He writes, The central Christian belief is that Christ's death has somehow put us right with God and given us a fresh start. And this is Paul's point in our scripture reading from Romans 3. All have sinned, including law-conscious Jews and pleasure-seeking Gentiles. All have fallen short of God's standard, and all are justified freely. That is, all are made right with God by God. Not because we earn or deserve this. We are made right with God because God is gracious. And he displayed his grace supremely in the coming of Jesus and in the work Jesus did in his life and in his death. And right here, packed into these three or four verses we read a moment ago, we find a description of what God did in history to reconcile people to himself through Christ. And in this short reading, we find important clues about what it means and what it looks like when God's kingdom comes and when God reigns. 
And one such clue is found in Paul's frequent use of the word all in these few verses. All have sinned. All have fallen short of God's standard. And all are justified freely by him through faith in Christ. And so Christians are those who have experienced the most incredible sort of divine justice, we might call it. God took the initiative to heal the fracture and division and separation that we caused in our relationship with God. He made us right with him through Christ. He didn't treat us as we deserved. Rather, he graciously reached across the divide to bring us back into a right relationship with him. So a major part of biblical justice is about making things right making things the way God intended them to be. And the idea of justice is very much at the center of the Christian story. In C.S. Lewis's words, again, Christ's death put us right with God. God's design for human beings is for us to be at peace with him, for us to be in right relationship with him, that we might flourish in his kingdom under his reign now and forever. And we remember this marvelous news and we celebrate all this and we encounter this again when we come and feast at the Lord's table, the Eucharist as it is called. Our great thanksgiving for what God has done to forgive and restore us through Christ's death and resurrection. But today, in the midst of all the social unrest and tension and turmoil, we as the people of God, we as those who call ourselves Christians, must remember the table is not merely my private celebration feast of what God has done for me. It is not merely that. In our scripture reading, Paul offers another clue to God's kingdom and to what his reign looks like through a common New Testament theme, namely this, the gospel confronts the tension and unrest and dislike and hatred between first century Jews and Gentiles. The gospel, in other words, tears down the walls of division between these groups of people. So in the gospel, God reconciles all people to himself through Christ, and by logical extension, he reconciles people to other people. He reconciles people in one group to people in another group. He makes things right then between people and himself, and he makes things right between people and other people. So Jesus brings Jews and Gentiles who were at war with each other, who didn't like each other, who disagreed with each other. Jesus brings Jews and Gentiles together as his people as kingdom people. And this was a tremendous burden of Paul in the New Testament. The gospel he wants people to know has the power to overcome the differences that divide us. So there is a clear social implication when the gospel is heard, when the gospel is proclaimed, and when the kingdom of God finally breaks in. And he, Paul, talks about this more specifically in Galatians chapter 3, 
verses 26 through 28, where he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all, that word again, children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Tim Keller, some of you may be familiar with him. He is a pastor and a theologian in New York, and he writes about the meaning of the idea or the word justice in the Old Testament. He says this, it refers to a life of right relationships. When most modern people see the word righteousness in the Bible, they tend to think of it in terms of private morality, such as sexual chastity or diligence in prayer and Bible study. But in the Bible, Tzadik refers to day-to-day living. Justice refers to day-to-day living in which a person conducts all relationships in family and society with fairness, generosity, and equity. Therefore, though justice is primarily about being in a right relationship with God, the righteous life that results is profoundly social. So communion. The Lord's table is not merely my thanks for what God has done for me. The table retells the gospel story and it compels us as the people of God to move into the world's division, fracture, hatred, brokenness, racism, and injustice and do what we can in the power of Jesus and in the power of his kingdom to make things right to do justice. Kingdom people follow in the footsteps of their king. And as he gave his life to reconcile people to God, so we are to give our lives to help others reconcile with God and reconcile with each other. See, we just cannot come to the Lord's table and receive what he freely gives and then walk away from it and go back to life as usual. And we especially cannot do this now. We cannot privatize the table to be something just for me because that is not what it is intended to be. We can't come to the table and receive what God has given freely and then walk away from it and go back to life as usual, especially now, where the injustice of racism divides and violence destroys and, as we all know, the walls between groups of people are rising at a rapid rate. And this is the kind of setting and circumstance where the kingdom of God and the reign of the king can break in and bring forth real change. See, when we allow the Bible and the gospel to be as sublime and transformative as they actually are, when we unclip the leash, if you will, and let the gospel run free, it absolutely reorganizes our priorities and passions. It refocuses our life together as a church. It infuses our efforts in mission with a kingdom vision that human beings were made to be in right relationship with God and with each other. Or in James Smith's words, the fullness of human beings is elucidated in the gospel. Powerful statement. And we, as those who have been reconciled by God, are now to go as reconcilers, to leaven this society with the authentic hope that is only found in the gospel of the kingdom of God. 
So I am really glad we are celebrating communion today together out in the parking lot. And I hope you will drive up here and I hope you will participate because it is worth the effort and it is worth the time. And you may be there. We've said it several times. We may be, Wait a minute. I didn't know we were doing that. You may not be ready. You may not be dressed. You may not be showered. Well, if you haven't taken a shower, put a hat on. Or eat an orange so you smell citrusy. But I hope you'll drive over here. I hope that you will take the time and drive over here uh, and come into the parking lot and receive communion. We need the table today. As kingdom people, we need to come to the table and we need to remember we don't come alone to the table. But we come with others who understand that when we were still sinners, God took the initiative and he came what he had to do to make us right with him and his example is ours to follow. Justice, making things right, working to make all relationships in family and society fair, generous, and equitable is the business of those who have received such grace and such goodness from God. And so as Christians, we cannot flick away racism, injustice, oppression, division, like an annoying bug flying around our heads. These are evils in our society. These are wrongs that the gospel wants to make right. And these are precisely the circumstances and contexts most desperately in need of God's presence and power and grace and goodness and mercy and justice. And who better to infuse every sector of life with God's rightness and goodness than those who have received God's rightness and goodness. So I love the metaphor that is built right into our drive-in communion service. It's really simple. Receive and go. Receive the bread. Receive the cup. Receive a blessing. And then go and do likewise in this chaotic world. Go and bring the bread and bring the cup and bring blessing into the fractures, the reconciling presence and power of Jesus Christ into the broken and into the fractured places. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful for the chance to gather in this imperfect way to celebrate your table in this less than ideal way. And we come today in the midst of all the things that are happening, we come as people who want to proclaim and declare and prophetically testify that celebrating your table is a witness, a testimony to your greatness, to your goodness, and to your kingship. And so as we come to your table today, we pray that we might be nourished at the feast and it might compel us to nourish this world with the reality of your kingdom. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.